This is Shabbat HaGadol, which is the Shabbat that comes when? Before Pesach, right? And I'm certain that these Passover seders that are coming will be wonderful, and they are such a pivotal, pivotal part of our life at Nachamu Ami as Messianic believers, and it's always Always a very, very exciting time for me to see people who did not grow up with any connection to Passover completely and totally embracing and being a part of Passover. It's, this is just really, Sukkot is my favorite holiday. How could it not be? The season of rejoicing, Zaman Simchatenu. But Passover to me is probably the most meaningful for us in a Messianic synagogue. Uh, I was, however, challenged a few weeks ago, and then both in something I read and then in a conversation I overheard. And, and I'm going to summarize this question because this is what I want to talk about. Somebody posted something on a Facebook page and said on another, uh, uh, an honest question here. And the summary basically is this. He says, I have been told repeatedly by Messianic Jews that I cannot participate in the Passover meal unless I am circumcised. He says, I'm, I'm, trying, I'm making a transition to a more Torah-observant lifestyle, but the issue of Passover weighs heavy for me because Paul tells us that we're supposed to stay how we are. We're not supposed to, to change that in Corinthians 7 that uh, the circumcised should not seek to become uncircumcised, those who are circumcised should not, or whatever, you follow me. With this, in, with this idea in mind, he says, how do I approach the Passover table? Is there a place for me? Looking for answers, he says, which got me thinking. Have we ever actually talked about this? Are we as a congregation, uh, you know, as part of the Nam's tribe, but not Jewish, have you ever wondered this? If you've read the Torah, it's right there. It says it. Okay? So I figured that if this person and then another person at the, at the conference was asking this question, and it's, it was somebody that is pretty well-educated, and I thought to myself, are we prepared to ask that, answer that question if, if basically an accusation came at you saying, you're not Jewish. Why are you doing that? And don't you know you're not even supposed to do that? You're not even allowed to do that. Are we as a congregation, as a tribe, prepared to answer that question from an educated perspective? And as I said, well... It also birthed what I think would be a great series, a series called the Why Do You Do That series. Why do you do that? So I might actually do that. And if you have some ideas for why you do that ideas, I'd like you to give them to me because we could do a wonderful basic education messianic series. Why do you do that? So I'm open to your suggestions on areas of confusion, and we will have a blast doing that, okay? So keep that in mind. But 
sometimes I also realize that many of you may very, very clearly have an understanding and idea of that. And you might say, well, gosh, this is so basic. Why? Well, because you remember one of the things I said about a healthy, healthy tribe is that we return to basics, that we do a few things really well. This is basic theology. It's, it's a basic idea, but I think it deserves reinforcement. And I think after this, you'll be happy that I told, taught on this and deferred meal of Messiah. At least that's my hope and prayer. What is our brother here who's troubled asking? What's he, what's he referring to? Well, there's one example in the book of Shemot. And if you have your Bibles, you're going to want to follow along with me today. I should have probably made some PowerPoints, but I just, I just didn't get to it. The New American Standard says this in Exodus 12, verse 43 and 44. The Lord said to Moshe and Aharon, This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is to eat of it. This is the ordinance of the Passover. No foreigner is supposed to eat of it. The NIV throws a little twist in there for you, as do some other contemporary translations, and it says this. The Lord said to Moses and Aaron, these are the regulations for the Passover meal. Do you hear the difference between what I just said? The first one said between regarding the Passover. The NIV and other translations like the contemporary English version say the Lord gave Moses and Aaron the following instructions for celebrating Passover. Only Israelites may eat the Passover meal. By inserting the word meal, which is not found in the Hebrew, we have a very serious dilemma here. What is the Passover meal? The Seder. Okay? Keep that in mind. Then in verse 48, But if a stranger sojourns with you and celebrates the Passover to the Lord, let all his males be circumcised and let him come near to celebrate it, and he shall be like a native of the land. But no uncircumcised person may eat of it. The same law shall apply to the native as to the stranger who sojourns among you. First of all, uncircumcised. What does this mean? Not Jewish. Not a convert. Not a proselyte. It means not Jewish. Okay? It's, we need, for the sake of the rest of the discussion, we need to move past the flesh procedure of circumcision and let's consider it in this biblical context of convert or Jew. Let no uncircumcised person eat it. It's actually one of the negative commandments in the Rambam. Do not, do not give an uncircumcised per person the, pa the Pesach, the Passover sacrifice. This is a challenge, actually, in a Messianic synagogue where we, we everyone... A messianic synagogue of Jews and Gentiles, we take Ephesians and we say one in Messiah. Everyone has equal worth. Everyone has equal value in the kingdom. We strive to not create levels or hierarchies. What do we do with a Torah verse that seems to promote division within our ranks? Well, Ultimately, in this, we find even more reason to rejoice about Yeshua, and that will be our conclusion, but maybe not the way you think, so stick with me. How do we get there? 
This brother's answer that I'm going to give is contained in this message today, which I think may be my favorite message title of my entire career, Should I Seder, Should I Go? So first, if only my dad was here, he would be so proud. That is, a, that is a Richard Eisner quote. I mean, Richard Eisner level of humor from, for sure. So let's take the easy answer first. First off, easy answer number one. Actually, there's only one easy answer. The translations say only Israelites may eat the Passover lamb. The, the, the translations that say only Israelites may eat the Passover meal. Are you ready for what they are? They are wrong. Wrong. The word meal is not found in the text. The text is speaking specifically of the Pesach. What is the Pesach? The lamb. The lamb, the sacrifice, the Passover lamb, the tangible meh, sacrifice. Okay? The Pesach is not the Seder. It's not the meal. You have to separate our modern understandings of words and connect them biblically, Torahly, to what they're actually saying. No uncircumcised person may eat of the Pesach. You may not eat of the lamb. That's what the Bible says. So the easy answer is, when our brother says, can I come to the table, do we have a Pesach? Why do we not have a Pesach? We have no temple. It's that easy. We don't have a Pesach anywhere. So we're not serving it. So you can come. That is an easy answer. As a matter of fact, you know, the, well, I'm, I, I won't confuse that issue because it's the easy answer, right? Let's not make it confusing. Um, as a further matter of fact, uncircumcised stranger sojourners with Israel were absolutely, according to the Talmud, permitted to eat matzah and bitter herbs. You can see this in Pesachim 96a. You can see it in Pesachim 120a. So the Talmud gives permission for that. So the first easy answer is this, number one, bad theology, theological bias, bad translation, and that goes way back. Because if you remember, well, the, the church history will confirm that it was the Roman church that really put their foot down and said, Gentiles, get away from the Passover. We'll come back to that, but that's not really our focus. The second answer offered is, you could say it's offered as an easy answer, but it's not quite that easy. And here we jump in. This was the answer that was primarily given to this guy's question. I'm a Gentile, but my heart has been circumcised. And Paul says that's what really matters. Right? 
circumcised of the heart. In this text we find in Colossians 2, Colossians 2, 11, And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision made without hands in the removal of the body of flesh by the circumcision of Messiah. Who's he talking to? Colossians. Are they Jews? No. He's talking about the circumcision of Messiah. He continues in Romans, and this is where it gets more interesting, 2.26, So if the uncircumcised man keeps the requirements of the law, will not his uncircumcision be regarded as circumcision? And he who is physically uncircumcised, if he keeps the law, will he not judge you Though having the letter of the law and circumcision, you are a transgressor of the law. You with me so far? It's pretty easy to track. For he is not a Jew who is one outwardly, nor a circumcision that which is outward in the flesh, but he is a Jew who is one inwardly. And circumcision is that which is of the heart, by the spirit, not by the letter, and his praise is not from men, but from God. Bam! Take that! non-lamb-eating talker. <laughs> I could take that, but we have to really look at that. I mean, it sounds really good. It sounds spiritual. It sounds like, yes, what it actually sounds like is, I've become Jewish. As a matter of fact, even more so than Jewish, I'm now more Jewish than you is kind of what it sounds like. And thus all obligations and special considerations become mine, including eating the Pesach Yeshua has made me Jewish, and so for goodness sakes, yes, I will plop myself down and I will partake of that lamb, baby. And that is kind of the attitude. I've been on the receiving end of it. It's kind of the attitude that I have periodically run into. But there's another problem, a difficulty, as the Talmud would say, and we have to understand, and I think we do quite clearly, that Paul talks a lot about circumcision, and the number one thing that Paul's talking about in circumcision has to do with what? Conversion. Conversion, actually, to become legally and fully Jewish. In Galatians 2, he runs with it, Behold, Paul, I, behold, I, Paul, say to thee that if you receive circumcision, Messiah will be of no benefit to you. And I testify again to every man who receives circumcision that he is under obligation to keep the whole law. You have been severed from Messiah. You who are seeking to be justified by law, you've fallen from grace. For we through the Spirit by faith are waiting for the hope of righteousness. For in Messiah... In Messiah Yeshua, neither circumcision nor uncircumcision means anything but faith working through love. Let's look at this a tad bit deeper. Because I'm kind of confused. Inwardly, inwardly is what Paul is talking about in, Roman, in Colossians. Inwardly. He's talking about the heart. He actually uses a very good circumcision analogy, talking about the flesh and, and, and the heart. But he's inwardly saying, I am Paul. Yeshua has given me a mission to you, the Gentiles. And here's the good news. You are connected. 
You are included, he goes so far as to say, sons of Abraham. You are in. You now have a Jewish heart. A heart to pursue the God of Israel. Ephesians says you've been brought near to the commonwealth of Israel. Toby Janicki did a great job last Sunday when he was here. I hope everyone who was here enjoyed it. It was tremendous. Good conference. He has a book called God Fears, which has a wonderful chapter called Spiritual Conversion in this book, God Fear. In Ephesians 2, Paul goes on to further say, And he came and preached peace to you who are far away, and peace to those who are near. For through him we both have our access in one spirit to the Father. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and are of God's household, and we have a difficulty. And I know that's a lot of text from Paul, but we have a difficulty. What I'm reading in the plain sense here seems to me to suggest that Paul is saying that the Torah's prohibition against the uncircumcised eating the Pesach would actually indeed be done away with. You are no longer strangers and aliens, he says. That Gentiles are no longer strangers. They are circumcised with the circumcision of Messiah, which he seems to be saying is superior to Jewish covenantal circumcision and thereby renders it unnecessary and basically unimportant. Could it be? Could it be that Paul, the Pharisee, the covenantally obligated, I made that word up, Jew, who said, I've never done anything against the traditions of the fathers, I've never violated Torah, could it be that he's speaking against Torah according to 1900 years of anti-Torah, anti-Jewish teaching? Yes, that's exactly what Paul is saying. He is saying the Torah has no relevance for you. But if I may quote Paul's words, may it never be, would be his answer to the question, could it be? May it never be, God forbid, heaven forbid, that I would ever be perceived of speaking against Torah. If Yeshua did not rewrite or abolish the laws of Torah, would Paul? Of course not. Exodus 12, 48, again, but no uncircumcised person may eat of it. If Paul did not change it, if Yeshua did not change it, then we have two options. Convert or die. No, just kidding. Or don't eat it. Convert or don't eat it. Follow me through this. You're Jewish. It's a Passover in the first century. Yeshua's come, he's gone, he came, he went, he came back, he's gone, and he's coming back, but right now he's not back. It's Passover, it's the first century, you invite Claudius to your house for your Passover Seder. He, the new believer Claudius, has been with you a couple of times to synagogue. 
Last week was Shabbat HaChodesh, where you and buddy Claudius listened to the Torah being read. And one of the things you heard read was Exodus 12.48, ending with, but no uncircumcised person may eat of it. It's time for the meal. Claudius is seated here, and you place before Claudius a very large and healthy plate of Pesach, lamb, from the sacrifice. Confused, Claudius looks up to you and says, um, I, I can't eat this. The, the Torah said not to eat this. To which you, the good Jew, respond to Claudius. You, his guide in the faith, you, his example, his mentor, you say to Claudius, Oh, come on, Claudius, you old legalist. There's a new sheriff in town, Yeshua and his deputy Paul. They're doing away with all that old mess, brother. And Claudius, unconvinced, because he heard it read, pushes the plate gently and politely away and says, I think I'll just have the matzah. It was a very, very serious problem for Jews to eat the Passover in a state of impurity. We can see a testimony to this in the book of Hezekiah. In sec I mean, not the book of Hezekiah. That's a good book, and when they find it, I guarantee it'll be good. <laughs> There's an interesting story in 2 Chronicles 30 about Hezekiah. And it says this, there were many in the congregation. This is about the Passover being reinstated. And Hezekiah is bringing it back, right? And everybody's excited and they're coming in. Who are these people? They're, they're Jews, okay? They're, they're about to celebrate the pa Passover again. For there were many in the congregation, though, that had not consecrated themselves Therefore, the Levites were in charge of slaughtering the Passover lambs for everyone that was not ceremonial clean, ceremonial clean in order to consecrate them to Adonai. Although a great multitude of the people, many of them from Ephraim, Manasseh, Issachar, and Zebulon, had not purified themselves, they still ate the Passover lamb, contrary to what is written. You follow me? They were not in a state of purity. They defied what was written and ate the Passover lamb. Jews, okay? But Hezekiah prayed for them, saying, May Adonai, who is good, atone for everyone who prepares his heart to seek Adonai, the God of his fathers, even though he is not pure according to the rules of the sanctuary. Adonai heard Hezekiah and healed the people. Do you track with me there? Do you follow me? It is a serious offense to disregard the written rules of the Passover. If you're Jewish to come and eat the Pesach, there was going to be a problem. But Hezekiah prayed and God protected the people and removed the punishment that would have been upon them. Now, this is not a hierarchical or haughty statement. Those are Jews. 
If you were Claudius, would you want to eat the Pesach? Would you want to disregard the Torah and what is written there and say, you know what, I think I figured out a better way anyway, so let's do it this way. That, my friends, is the problem in Messianic Judaism from top to bottom. We like the way something feels or we like this is a good buzz for me to do it this way or that way or this way. So let's just totally change it and disregard it. And I don't want to hurt anybody's feelings, so we're going to change this around. Do you realize? Do you not realize? Nacho Libre always comes to mind. <laughs> That's on you. To serve Claudius that. It's not what you do. Plain and simply. God said don't eat the lamb. But matzah and maror is okay. Okay, I'm with you Damien. Don't eat the lamb. But matzah and maror is okay. Unless I convert. And then I can eat it all. But Paul said don't convert. Be circumcised. But then he said... I am circumcised um, by faith in Messiah. And, and while I know Paul wouldn't speak against the Torah, his argument I'm hearing for eating the lamb, uh, at least that's what she told me, sounds good. It seems pretty solid. Is he saying, eat the lamb or follow the Torah? Or did Torah change? Ah, da na 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 Should I say it or should I go? I knew it would work somewhere in there. I'd get that in. <laughs> Were Gentiles celebrating the Passover in some form in Paul's day? Yes, absolutely, 100%, no questions asked, guaranteed. As a matter of fact, I'm quite certain they were celebrating it beforehand. You want to know how? I can look in the Torah and find it. You know where that is? God gives instructions for who should eat the Pesach and who shouldn't eat the Pesach, and he gives these rules. But he says in Exodus 12, 18, during the first month in the evening of the 14th day of the month, you're to eat matzot. Until the evening of the 21st day of the month, for seven days, no chametz is to be found in your houses. Whoever eats chametz, that soul will be cut off from the congregation of Israel. Whether he is an outsider or one who is born in the land, you are not to eat chametz in all your houses. You are to eat matzot. Do you hear what that is? That's called inclusion. Speaking of Paul, he says to the Gentile community of Corinth, your boasting is not good. Do you not, do you not realize that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? I'm always worried, though, that Irvin is going to think I'm making fun of that beautiful Latin accent. I'm not. It's just that Nacho Libre is one of my favorite movies, and I've, I've really worked hard to perfect that. So, do you not realize, Paul says, <laughs> we have fun here. Your boasting is not good. Do you not know that a little leaven leavens the whole lump? Cleanse out the old leaven that you may be a new lump as you really are unleavened. For Messiah, our Passover lamb, has been sacrificed. Let us therefore celebrate the festival, not with old leaven, 
the leaven of malice and evil, but with the unleavened bread of sincerity and truth, 1 Corinthians 5, verses 6 through 8. Celebrate the festival here, goes along with the other metaphor that Paul is applying. But here's the problem. If I, how's this for a metaphor? You know what? I drove my car and it was like an acorn bouncing off a hot tin shed. Do you understand the metaphor? No, you don't, because I just made it up, but you don't have any familiarity with the metaphor. In order for the metaphor to connect on Passover, they had to know Passover. That's my point, and that was a crazy way to get there, but I liked it. <laughs> In order to connect with his Passover metaphor, they needed to know Passover. They needed to be participating and understanding Passover. So as I mentioned above, the newly formed Roman church had to demand that Passover observance on varying levels cease by threat of excommunication or worse. Were they celebrating it? Yes, definitely. Definitely. Were there satyrs for Messianic believers, Jews and Gentiles? Yes, were they times of celebration of the redemption of Israel? Yes. Did everyone eat the Pesach? No. And guess what? Guess what? You ready? It was okay. It was a-okay. You know why? Because everyone was about community. Everyone was about being unified. Everyone, one new man with distinct identities and roles, functioning together as God intended. No one was forced to do anything or be anything other than what they were, and that's what Paul was saying, and it was good. At the same time that, that, that you could say a, a non-Jew is not obligated to do any of it, you're also not commanded to do all of it. And so I've, I've modified my statement. I used to have this phrase regarding, regarding non-Jews and Torah, and it's a, it's, a, it's a sticky subject. It just is. It really is. It's, it's not something I love to talk about. But I used to have this phrase, get to, don't got to. I thought that's, that's like a great southern application of how those from the nations approach Torah. But then I added, but wouldn't you want to? Because that's what the Spirit is supposed to awaken within you. A desire to obedience through Messiah Yeshua we connect to to the Father in a new and exciting, wonderful way. And part of that walking out, part of that halacha, is observing his word. Get to, don't got to, but wouldn't you want to for all you can do? How's that? And yet there was one powerfully unifying component that held that community together. And it all centered amazingly on one thing. And do you know what that one thing was? The lamb. In the ultimate and beautiful irony, though God does not work in ironies. Behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. 
the true beauty of the imagery of the Passover lamb as Yeshua. Ephesians 2 talks about this middle wall of partition that Yeshua tore down, bringing together non-Jews, those who were far away, and bringing them near to the covenants of Israel. And that's where we get our one new man. And there are many interpretations and explanations for this text, but in our context, the most beautiful is simply this. Yeshua is the Pesach, the Passover lamb. At the Seder, we partake, Jew and Gentile, in the bread and the wine of the cup of redemption. When quite figuratively, and it's off-putting to some, we eat the body and the blood of the Lamb of God. His words. 1 Corinthians 5, our Passover lamb has been sacrificed. John, 1 John 2 says, he is the atonement for our sins. And not only for our sins, but for the whole world. What was the Pesach? It wasn't an atonement for sins. It was a covering, right? It was a protection. It was, it was redemption. Our Passover lamb presenting the most beautiful reconciliation of God's creations, Jew and Gentile, the whole world centered on Messiah, one and Messiah. And there's this incredibly difficult teaching that Yeshua gave in John 6 where the majority ran away. You remember it? Remember what he was saying? If you don't eat my flesh and drink my blood, you will not inherit eternal life. But when we imagine him very clearly as this unifying Pesach and we understand that dying and salvation to the whole world is a part of his imagery that he's speaking here. That the Pesach sacrifice was to be consumed by Israel. It was to be eaten. It was to become a part of you. Eat my flesh and drink my blood is weird. But not when we see it as the Passover lamb that unifies the whole world. He is the answer. He is the answer. But you're telling me I'm a second class citizen. Still, as a Gentile, I can't eat the meat. If I were harsh, I would say, get over it and major on the majors. But since I'm not harsh, since I'm nice, I'll say you're missing the point. All the lamb metaphor the New Testament uses is for this very pointed purpose. It is in my mind, and I might be destroyed for this, not by God, but by critics. In my mind, it is less about sacrifice and more about unity. I always wondered, why, was you, why, do we not, why didn't Yeshua die on Yom Kippur? Why didn't he die on Yom Kippur? That would have made more sense as, as, as atonement. 
But you have to come to the table first. You have to be a part of the tribe first. You have to partake of the lamb. You have to be brought near to participate And Yeshua miraculously provides both redemption and atonement. And of course, they're both connected to the festivals. That's not a surprise. But if non-Jews couldn't be at the Seder table, something is missing. And, And I would say, if they could eat the matzah and the maror, something could still be seen as missing. But not anymore. It's so interesting to consider Yeshua's words in Matthew 5. I did not come to abolish. No, not to abolish, but to fulfill. And as deed as and, and indeed, as the Lamb of God, our Passover Lamb, he in a sense has filled in the missing piece. Am I suggesting that the Torah is incomplete? No, I am not in any way suggesting that. I am suggesting that Yeshua took Torah like he did in so many other instances and came and brought its fullest meaning. No uncircumcised person may consume the literal flesh of the Pesach. But the whole world may consume Yeshua, the Lamb of God, who brings us together in a way that is unbelievably beautiful. And nothing is missing in him. Nothing. So it's not about meat. And it's not about being circumcised, and it's not about creating new theologies. Yeshua expanded the story. And so we don't eat the lamb anyway, so what? Well, that's the easy answer, but we might miss something. To say the least, it's a symbol of redemption for Israel, a symbol that would still be relevant and incumbent upon Jews when the temple is standing. It's consumption according to a Jewish author I read, is the essence of the story. You get that? Its consumption is the essence of the story. That was that lamb. This lamb is the absolute essence of the story for the whole world to be unified. And nothing is missing. You with me? In him, the story is relevant for all. And the Seder holds the greatest significance for all who are part of Israel. Circumcised, uncircumcised, Jew, Gentile, male, female, slave, free. The ultimate equalizer. Yeshua HaMashiach, the Passover lamb. I conclude here, Toby Janicki, I read a blog post recently that said this. A member of the nations who joins himself or herself to Messiah retains a Gentile identity and yet shares in Israel's connection to and celebration of redemptive history.
In fact, Gentiles being drawn to the God of Israel is a significant and beautiful part of this grand plan of redemption. As we long for the even greater exodus coming in the Messianic era. And we will recall that on April 6th at the Meal of Messiah. And we will celebrate that together, partaking of the bread and the wine. And we will on Friday and Saturday night as well. But that beautiful tradition of Meal of Messiah puts us together at the table again, looking forward. Rabbi David Foreman writes this, and I want you to just listen to this because D David Foreman is not a Messianic Jew. He is the most, one of the most anointed teachers I have ever heard in my life. He is an Orthodox rabbi. He has communicated such truth into my life in just a short amount of time that I've been familiar with him. But I want you to listen to what this Orthodox Jew who absolutely believes in the coming of Messiah, does not yet recognize that that is Yeshua. I want you to listen to this, and I think it should become for us a battle cry in Pesach and everything we do together as a community, as a tribe. The Exodus, as it actually happened in history, history did not accomplish everything it might have. There is work yet to do to complete its unrealized vision. The procession that departed Egypt was a shadow of what it might have been. It will be the destiny of Jew and Gentile to one day realize the promise of that journey as it should have taken place. To march side by side and join hands, proclaiming in unison the oneness of a father they both share. Man! And that, my friends, is what we celebrate together to my brother who asked the question, together at the Seder table. It happens one day. May it be soon and in our day. Moran Etha, our master is coming, and an early Hag Pesach Sameach. Happy Passover and Shabbat Shalom.